Hello and welcome to A Your Right Pal by me, Roscoe Burns, a podcast dedicated to men chatting about their mental health. The podcast is a way for men to share, to discuss and be open about their mental health. Listeners are advised that some of the topics may be triggering with potential mentions of addiction, self-harm, abuse and suicide. With that being said, I feel these topics are important to talk about and to share. And I hope you enjoy this episode of Your Eight Pal. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Are You Alright Pal? And this is season two. I can't believe we've got a season two already. I'm absolutely buzzing to be back, and I'm so proud that the podcast has been as well received as it has been. So thank you so much to everybody who's listened and thank you to you all. Okay, so my first guest today, I'm joined by my Spanish amigo. He's one of the Raptors. He's a Spanish fuego and a very good friend who I've come to love very much. His name is Gonzalo and how are you, Gonzalo? Um, I'm very good, thank you. I'm quite happy to be here, finally. Yes, I know, finally. Well, at least we got you here, so that's the main, most important thing, you're here. Exactly. And so, today's topic is something that is very close, obviously, to yourself. It's something that you want to discuss openly. And, like I said, Gonzalo has given me permission to say that he is HIV positive, undetectable, so very brave, obviously, to come on and speak about that, but a very important subject that we need to speak about, you know, mm-hmm. um, just in our society, and, you know, the things that we were going to discuss that we've written down today is very important as well. So, it's your story, but thank you for sharing it. You're and more than welcome. No, no problem. So, growing up, with the information around HIV and AIDS, you know, we're we're similar ages <laughs> um, and we obviously aren't from the same country. So I just wanted to know what your kind of experience of what HIV and AIDS information was like growing up in Spain. That's, to be honest with you, there wasn't a lot of information around HIV or AIDS per se. Um, I think it was mainly done separately city by city like I was actually quite lucky because even in my city my high school especially not just school they actually try to actively address the issue around HIV and AIDS okay. uh, but now in hindsight it wasn't really addressed properly no. it was like mainly a two-hour session with the whole of a course in in a small in a like in a lecture room yes, a really yes, big yeah. lecture room two hours is talking about it then they give you a small leaflet like a magazine yes but that was mainly addressing about AIDS it was not telling you how to avoid it was mainly if you don't follow these steps you're gonna get it so to be fair at the time it was addressed when I was growing up there wasn't a lot of information compared to what we've got now nowadays obviously I understand that the limit the the information was limited but it was extremely limited And at least in Spain, they also focus a lot in the legal terms, saying that if you catch it and you don't inform any future sexual partners that you've got it and they get infected, they get they 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 get infected with it. Yeah. 
that you would be committing a potential murder or a crime. So in that sense, the the information that we got was extremely scarce. Yes. And it led to a lot of fear, to be honest with you. And the thing is as well, a lot of misinformation yeah. at that time. So, and that was in high school, you said? That was high school, yeah. Yeah. To just like speak in contrast to that, uh, when I was in high school, there was very little discussion on not just HIV and AIDS, but there wasn't much information about sexual health at all, you know, and I remember in the whole time that I was at high school, there was one class dedicated to sexual health and I kid you not, it was about half an hour, a nurse came in and she showed everybody how to put a condom on like a rubber penis, right? And obviously at that age, everybody's laughing, ha 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 Then she went, if you put the condom on wrong, you could potentially infect someone with an STD. Now I'm sitting there and I honestly didn't know what an STD was. I genuinely, I was a bit clueless, but that was it. Yeah. So there was little to no information until I reached maybe like in my late teens and early twenties when I actually started to realize and know what sexual health was in general. But one thing I will say, I'm going to take it back even further in my first memory. And like I said to you before uh, we did this podcast cons was I remember being five years old and I don't really have a lot of memories from that age. But in 1986, there was a commercial that was put on the TV and it was basically, uh, it was meant to be a public announcement on how to avoid HIV. Hmm. And it was a gravestone and it was just so negative, misinformative, but there was no actual information that could have been productive at that point, at that time. And then it ended with someone throwing flowers on a grave as if it was like a family member who died. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I remember being fearful because I just remember hearing the word HIV, couldn't ask my mum what HIV, HIV was. And then wondering to myself, oh my God, am I going to be, am I going to get HIV? Yeah, imagine being like five, six, seven, a child. You know what I mean? And that oh. was just an experience. That's just one experience. There were so many other commercials that were made. The media, the British media as well, was absolutely horrendous um, in misinformation and just being really cruel to the gay community, you know, because it was a gay disease. That uh, was one thing. Yeah, that was I, I remember that they were addressing, like, especially if you are gay, you are higher at risk. I, I remember, I actually remember reading something about it, like, why are we at higher risk if we technically are doing the same, maybe different yes. anatomy, but at the end of the day, it's the same action. So, but most of the information that I got, especially when I was like 12, was like, oh, if you're gay, you're higher at risk. It's like, but my mind, my brain was like, why is that? I know. The thing is, we're going to talk about stigma around today's society um, a wee bit later as well, but we just wanted to highlight, obviously, what it was like for us growing up, you know, just I remember being absolutely fearful. And I remember as well in the media, people just saying stuff like basically contain us all. It was just disgusting. And then, did you happen to see a TV show called uh, It's a Sin? Yeah, um, yeah, I've watched it. So, obviously, that was, you know, I think very true to what was happening back then. Mm -hmm. It is. Um, 
if you haven't seen it, please go and watch it. However, please make sure that you're ready for an emotional breakdown just purely because of it. It's um, just, <laughs> I was I was in bits. I'm not gonna lie. I couldn't even talk I, for for the rest yeah. for the last three episodes. I think I yeah. couldn't even talk. So it's powerful. However, it's one thing we need. I need to say, and we both need to say, is is very powerful. We're going to speak about mental health mm-hmm. and diagnosis. So um, what I think is really important for people maybe to understand or try to normalize uh, is like when you go and get your bloods taken, even if you know you've not been doing anything or you're absolutely fine, until you get that result or that call saying, oh, it's all negative or clear, you always think that you're going to get really bad news. Okay. But then the problem comes when actually you're not expecting it Mm -hmm. and you get a call saying actually we need to repeat one test because it's come okay. back positive. And actually, that's what happened to me. Say, oh, but it was the maybe the the blood sample wasn't right. I said, okay. no, actually, it has come back positive. Okay. So we need to do an, another one. And in that moment, it's like the whole weight of the world goes onto your shoulders. Of course. And um, I'm a healthcare professional. I know, in theory, a lot, or I should know more than any other person or not not the other person but the regular person who's not dedicated to that on a daily basis so know about it but all your beliefs all your knowledge all your theory goes through the window as soon as they say oh one of the results have come back positive we need to repeat and say okay can i just do it literally like in the next hour i'll be there the main issue that you face is as soon as you get the confirmation that it's a positive result everything goes through your head like I failed to my family, I failed to myself, I failed to my partner, I failed to everyone. Uh, how is this going to affect? Do you feel actually very isolated? Yeah. Do you feel like, do you know, but in, at the back of your head, that you, there's all the people who've been in the same situation as you, was like, you know, your personal views, your personal situations, like, you feel extremely isolated? Of course, and that's understandable. To be honest with you, the, the, the good thing about me is like, in that when the push comes to solve I'm very very factual yes. because uh, when they told me over the phone I said would you like to come over and just have some kind of help uh, we can try to um, help you out without accepting the diagnosis and things like that and I remember exactly my answer because actually it was working I was trying to be yeah. in a separate room and I was like um, I can't go right now because I'm at work I said oh you are allowed to step outside of work I said I've got patients yes. I'm not going to leave them alone yeah is it going to change my situ- is my diagnosis going to change in the next three four hours no yes, then it's pointless for me to come right now and leave my patients unattended I don't think it's fair for them I actually asked them to give me a call when I finish my shift instead of going in person because I was like do you know what I just want to go home and yes. be in my room the guy said okay we'll give you a quick call and then we'll check about how you're coping with it and those three four hours gave me a lot of a lot of time to think um, I, I still felt isolated but as soon as they called me and said look this is not going to change this is something that based on my knowledge is going to be with me forever all I have to do all it means is I need to look after myself I need a little bit more than usual I need to look after others and I need to follow medications yes. and my, my immediate response is luckily enough I mean it's not luckily for me but luckily enough this is a condition that can be really well controlled with medication right. it's not as bad as being diabetic nowadays because you know even if you follow strict medication and strict diet you may still get consequences ah, of course, yes, yes, but yes. when this kind of condition you've got it you, 
as long as you are looking after yourself, you get yourself checked every three, six months regularly, and then you take your medication, it, it will make no difference in terms of health. And actually, the other person over the phone was like, she was she was very impressed. Like, okay, I don't think you need to come at the moment. I don't think I think you're actually coping extremely well. Can I ask a question? Just yeah. a quick question then. So, were you offered any sort of like support? I did. Yeah. 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 They always do that because obviously it's it falls into the category of breaking bad news to the person because it's gonna change your lifestyle uh-huh. because it's something that is going to be with you forever. So they have they, they have to offer you some kind of support. And is this at the Brindley Center in Glasgow? No. Um, it was actually, I had my blood taken privately. Okay, but you were offered support. And then mm-hmm. did you follow through with that support? Um, I, did th- I did tell them I would consider that because I'm the kind of person that I actually process information better on my own terms. Okay. And then rather than having someone I... telling me what steps to follow. Yeah. When it comes to that, I'm not really that good at following instructions because I found out that my brain functions a little bit different sometimes. So I need to follow my steps in my own order. So I did say, I'm not saying no, but let me see how I cope for the next two, three days. And if I see that, because I know how to identify that, if I think I'm struggling, Mm -hmm. don't you worry, I will contact you. And actually I was absolutely fine because obviously I was just making like a mental list of things to do. Like first thing to do, call my partner, tell him that. Second thing to do, go into every single website that you know about it and research as much as you can. Right. Step three, take your me time, isolate from any other people, even though some people think it's not the best thing to do. Like, try not to talk anyone, to anyone about this until I am ready on yeah, how course. I want to portray this situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the end of the day, it is your choice who you tell and when you tell them yeah it has to be on your own terms on your own terms that's it yeah you can't you can't be telling people just for the sake of it or because at the end of the day it's something that is part of you now Mm -hmm. it's part of me it's not who I am but it's it's with me whether I like it or not when I decided to go on on the podcast I think it was about time for me to be able because I've always been accepting of my status but it, it was to the point like I don't have to be like oh I have to put like in my presentation card like oh hi my name is Gonzalo and I'm this this and that and by the way I'm HIV positive no um, I'm starting to create a bond with some bond with someone who said oh by the way this is what is with me so just so you know as a way of showing trust to that person if we want to break down the walls of stigma it has to be I someone sometimes has to take a little bit step forward so I think making it publicly like this is hopefully going to be a little bit of a stepping stone for some people. I absolutely think this is going to be a way to break the stigma and I know we're going to talk about that in a wee minute but um, you coming on and sharing your story there could be many people out there who are I'm getting sorry I'm getting emotional but you know there could be people out there who are in the same situation and they might be feeling isolated and alone and maybe they don't they can't do what you did because obviously you process things differently but there could be people out there who are feeling and struggling with it Mm -hmm. so this could just be the point where they say i am i'm not alone you know and it is just about breaking down stigma opening up conversations and making it more acceptable 
within mm-hmm. society. It's not that it's anymore. It shouldn't be negative because at the end of the day, it's like with everything else, it's a matter of luck. It is. Because you can be like an extremely healthy and fit person mm-hmm. on your 30s and then get diagnosed with cancer. I know. And sometimes the, the reaction is about, I'm really fit and healthy. You say, yeah, but it's a matter of luck. Yes. For every person, there is certain situations that whether we like it or not, whether we choose it or not, we have to face those kind of yeah. situations. So in my personal case is this. As you mentioned, for to avoid people feeling isolated at the end of the day is they need to see people talking normally like this is part of me, it's not who I am, it's also not who you are. People shouldn't be judging or addressing you by that. No. You are this person or part of you because uh, yeah. these things like that happens. Exactly. But can I ask as well, did it have an impact on your mental health at any point? Uh, yeah, it did actually massively. Yeah. At the beginning, all you have, all you can do is blame yourself as okay. like, you are not a good person. Because obviously, I think it's some part of, as you mentioned before, the lack of information growing up, yeah. the negative approach that it, from society it had from before, like, do you feel like, what have I done wrong? And maybe yeah. I'm doing something wrong. Yeah. That's why I got it. Have I, this, do I deserve this kind of situation? Yeah. You know, it's you doing. You go through all those stages, and at the end of the day, you have to accept, take it as it, take it as it is, and accept it. This is with me, whether I like it or not. It's just not something that I do deserve. No one deserves any kind of medical condition at the end of the day. But I have to make the most of it. I have to live with it. Protect, protect yourself. Protect yeah. yourself. Protect, protect, protect others, others and live your life yeah. because yeah. that's not going to stop you or shouldn't stop you. Yeah. And um, so we'll move on to the stigma Mm -hmm. around HIV. So I was just going to lead this one with the stigma, I mean, the stigma with HIV is in society in all areas. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the areas I wanted to talk about was apps. Apps. Mm -hmm. So like Grindr, Scruff. These apps up until I would say, I I mean, I'm, I'm not... I've not used them for a while, but there was a time when there was no. What do you mean about the status? There was no status. Your yeah. sexual practices and all yeah. that. Yeah, I think it was introduced like three or four years ago. Right, okay. And so I will give you an example. So I moved to Glasgow and <laughs> this is how long ago it was. It was an iPhone 3, which was a long <laughs> time ago, okay. Now, I think Grindr was in its infancy, and even then, there was none of that. There was, no. there was, it was basically basic information. It was like age, weight, ethnicity, um, position. Honestly, you genuinely think that was it, okay. So over time, obviously, they've introduced these categories, maybe you would call them sort of thing. I remember seeing back then people putting stuff like no HIV or no, uh, you know, you know, like people who are like don't message without a picture, um, without this, without that, and also um, no HIV positive, you know, and that created, I think, a lot of stigma within the community as well. It created us, um, what it did, uh, it made the stigma issue even bigger, but at the end of the day, it created a different problem. Oh, no HIV positive, but how can you be sure that the other person? is telling you the truth exactly because I have had people I'm, I'm always open and honest if I talk to anyone through any apps or any kind of uh, social media and uh, this it, it comes to that point and said by the way this is my status so if you're happy with it fine if not mm-hmm. 
there is a door. But it creates another problem. I had a lot of people say, oh, no, I only I only hook up with negative people. Mm-hmm. Well, how do you know they're negative? Are they yes. bringing you, like, a recent blood test result? Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, literally from last week or maybe from two days ago when they, they, they had no kind of Aye. sexual intercourse. Right. Oh, no, 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 I know that they're, they're negative. I say, yeah. well... It, if they are really, really looking for it, they're gonna tell you everything. They can yeah. even tell you that they've got like a mansion. Yes. Mm. Uh, yeah, they can create a, a narrative. It did create an even bigger problem because yeah. adding to the stigma, it created yeah. that issue like, oh no, no, I only want negative people. Yeah. How do you know that? It did help actually, because now it's gone the other way around. Okay. I have had people saying that actually you are safer than the negative mm-hmm. people because you are actually getting yourself Checked up regularly, yeah. regularly, so you know you not, not just your status, you know yes your sexual your health. Sexual health, yes. So you are actually safer in that sense than any other person that yes. says that is negative only who comes with negative people. So as uh, you mentioned, apps are adapting to yes. times yes. Um, when the Terence is just made a few studies and confirmed that undetectable undetectable was untransmissible. You equals you. Most of the apps jump on the bandwagon saying, now we've got evidence, now we can start adding this undetectable, on prep, and things like that. Okay, so can you explain uh, to everybody listening what U equal U means? Yeah, yeah it's um, it means that um, if your viral load is undetectable, under 40 samples per milligram of blood, uh, it's under that, it counts as undetectable, it means that the, actually the new, the blood test that we do cannot detect the viral load within yes. your blood so that means that it's less than 40 replications of the virus mm-hmm. per milli- milli- milliliter of blood mm-hmm. so and that means it's untransmittable it means someone. that you cannot vir- virtually it's not possible for you to transmit yes. it because it won't pass your natural defenses okay. even the the hiv virus cannot pass sometimes our um, natural defenses yes. but obviously i didn't find i find out about this until i was in uni and oh. properly studying it they made me a list of risk situations right. like having unprotected sex with a positive person with not undetectable viral load and if you take all the risks uh-huh. even with that the maximum percentage of risk was 20 or 25 percent okay so even if let's say even if you do not follow the security measures, yes. there is only like a twenty or twenty five percent chances of you getting HIV okay. because the virus has to actually get your natural defenses. Uh-huh. It, it, that can increase between depending on the viral load because uh-huh. obviously more viral load means the virus can overwhelm your defenses. Okay. But let's let's say that a maximum of twenty five percent. Yes. So um, in that sense, what means? Uh, untransmittable is there is so so small number of copies in your blood that your natural defenses of the other person will actually not let them through yeah and you are also taking care of yourself by taking medication is it daily Mm -hmm. yes yeah in my in my personal case it's daily i know there are news to this about like injection that gives people um protection for about three months there I think they're the last phases of studies and studies. of the trial and things like that. Is it just uh, one tablet a day or is it a few tablets a day? Or? There are different regimes for okay. different person, people okay. because um, antiretrovirals come in all shapes and forms and everything you can and imagine under the sun. Yeah. I remember my first treatment was with a triplet, which was one, one tablet once per day. 
and it was perfect, but it was too expensive. So after a few months, uh, my clinic decided to move me onto my more generic treatments, which was the same composition, same, yeah, but two, yeah. two tablets, Truvada and Efavirenz, yes. once per day as well. Okay. Uh, but I think there's other people with more old school treatments that are taking between three to five okay. tablets sometimes. Okay. So going back to stigma as well, and what other kind of experiences have you had with stigma or have you heard of oh. other people? <laughs> the list is really, Do you know really what? Long. Let's get it out there because it's really important. You know, we need to discuss these things, yeah. Yeah. One of the first stigmas is as soon as you mention someone that your status and that you're HIV positive, even if you're on the table, they assume that you're dirty. Okay. Like, oh, so you like dirty sex. So, oh, can't see the relationship okay. yeah. between that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or okay. like, oh, so you're a slut. Yes. Okay. Uh, because I've, been, I've actually been slut asked. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, so you're like having um, unprotected sex with like more than a hundred guys in a month. Yeah. So I don't even think that someone can be awake long enough to have that number. But actually I have had people approaching yeah. me saying, oh, you're expressing that you're undetectable. That means that you will fuck anyone. I, so, no, no, it's <laughs> no. got nothing to do with that. No, no sorry. Yeah. And then what other experience with stigma? Um, I have had quite a few stories, like um, had conversations with people like publicly or maybe out with friends and uh, literally just talking about and the, um, the topic of HIV coming out and someone saying, oh, if I know someone is HIV, I wouldn't even shake their hands because yes. you can actually get it from physical contact. Which you can't. Exactly. Just, yeah. just to clarify, you cannot. Yeah. Um, and actually, some, sometimes I'm extremely tempted to say, you just shake my hand and give me a hug two seconds ago. I'm actually, Aye. hi, HIV positive person. Yes. To be honest, that's not going to do any no. good. But I, usually what I do is just smirk and just chuckle and say, oh, is that what you think? That's so cute. Not. Aye. Actually, um, here, is the, here is the information. Yeah. But you do have a lot of stigma, people that have not concerned themselves with keeping themselves informed with current studies and and research and all that and trials, um, even telling that telling you that if you are sharing any cutlery with yes. negative people, you can infect them. And it's like, yeah. no. And the thing is as well, the one thing I've noticed is the stigma within our community and a lot of people who don't understand what you equals you means, that makes sense. Yeah, it, it's the lack of information, but at the yeah. end of the day, it, it's just the mere fear sometimes. Most of the people don't, don't inform themselves because then they have to face the reality yes. themselves that maybe they've not been testing themselves, yes. they've not been practicing safe sex or safer sex, and they've not been actually been looking after themselves. Yes. So them informing themselves, I'm using that word a lot, uh, but that means by them informing themselves, they have to face reality. Say, oh, actually, I need to go and get tested. I might get bad, bad news, uh-huh. or yeah. I might get the news that I'm, I'm HIV positive. Yeah. But this is what it's gonna help with stigma. Mm-hmm. We all need to take responsibility of our own sexual we health. We do, and I think that's a big thing. Is it's personal responsibility. Yeah. So I know, I know that it's a scary. Believe me, I've been there. And um, oh, yes. if anyone is going through that and they want to reach out to me, I will always be supportive, and yes. I will give them all the information that they need to know. And I even go with them to the clinic if they yes. need that as well. I'm Which is not- amazing, and I think I think that's really important because having that support is extremely uh, beneficial to that person as well. Yeah. Exactly. It's just uh, I know I know how isolated you can feel even if you've got someone next to you, especially being someone who's not native from this country. Like 
I'm Spanish. Uh, I know that I've been, <clears throat> I've, I was in Manchester for 10 years and now I've been in Glasgow for six months and hopefully for long, longer than that. I understand that you can actually feel extremely isolated just by facing the process, yes. let alone the results. Even if it's negative, some people can feel isolated up to that point. Well, I am going to share a story if that's all right with you mm -hmm. because a friend of mine was diagnosed with HIV about, I'm going to say, roughly 10, 12 years ago. Okay, so that person um, went to the clinic themselves and then phoned me and I was the first person that they told, met them at my flat and we both cried because that person was probably in a lot of shock like you said earlier mm -hmm. that sort of news it's a shock to the system sort of thing you know he maybe was expecting it or maybe wasn't expecting it regardless whether he was or wasn't it's still a shock so I was upset for him mm -hmm. but do you know what I was more upset about was the fact that he, had, he went to the clinic on his own and was told that on his own but from that point on I offered to go to the clinics with him his appointments. So talking about the Brownlee Centre, which mm -hmm. is in Glasgow, um, I think is at Garton Able actually, which um, deals with anybody who's newly diagnosed with HIV. They go there. That's where they get their regular testing. They get, um, I think they get our weekly sessions with like a psychiatrist or a psychologist or a therapist. So it's like basically a package of support mm -hmm. once you have been diagnosed. So with this person, I went to, I think, the first couple of appointments just so that he had someone to go with. And also as well, he said, please come to the first one. I might not remember what they tell me because I'm still in shock. So I was sitting there and I remember like the nurse talking and me literally like going through my head trying to remember everything that she was saying because I knew that he wasn't able to kind of process that. So after it, we would walk home, we'd get the train home and I would go, right. So what she said was, she said this, this, this and this. So for his next appointment, he felt a wee bit more informed and, and able to go himself. And then I ended up, I, I didn't go after that sort of thing. But that initial support was extremely important for both of us. I also did something that I reached out to somebody who worked for, um, I think it was like a sexual health service in Glasgow. I reached out to a guy and I said, I've got a friend who's recently been diagnosed with HIV. Do you know anybody that you could put him in touch with? Because I think it would be really beneficial for him to speak to somebody. And he was like, okay. And he went, well, I can speak to him. I was like, brilliant. <laughs> so we met in a bar. And I think from the experience, that really helped my friend see somebody who had been diagnosed for five years living a life which is normal, inverted commas. Yeah. You know, that gave him the kind of hope, I suppose. This guy's been diagnosed for, for so however long and it's fine. It just gave him a hope, I think, that he was needing and, you know, it was me as well. Like, because, I mean, as a friend, all I wanted was my friend to be okay. Do you know what <laughs> I mean? And, like, I even get emotional about it now. Fuck's sake, man. Jesus Christ. At the time, it was just like, I just wanted him to be... Um, I just wanted him to be happy and like he said I remember please don't cry no I know because if you cry I cry I just remember I'm going to try to say it because it's important I just remember him saying nobody's ever going to love me 
ever again. And I was like, and I said to him, I said, you will be loved. And I promise you, somebody will love you. But that broke my heart because in my head I thought, what if, what if nobody ever does love him? And just, yeah, just try to be a kind of the, the stronger person. And even though I'm getting emotional now, at the time it was just heartbreaking. But to end it on a positive note, this person has settled down has met someday, has met the love of his life, and is engaged, and is living a happy, happy life. So that just goes to show from that experience that he had back then to now, you know, and that is what within, like, I'm going to say, just my mind, my memory's terrible, but approximately 12 to 13 years, and my friend, again, is undetectable, and is living a life which he wants to live so there you go but it was just at that day when he said that that was it just broke my heart you know it, it, it does break your heart and then yeah. it, it's the problem with the analysis is like you get really scared about how worthy you are of yeah. the people you've got in that's your life that's he said um, that's one of the biggest um obstacles are you gonna someone with that a new diagnosis is gonna face like I don't think I'm worthy of my family, I don't think worthy of my partner because I had a partner, I still have my is the same partner. Um when I got diagnosed and my first thought was like yes. is this person still going to love me? Yeah. And my first call was to that to yes. him I was like this happened. And obviously his first reaction was like, um are you okay? Yes. Um and his second reaction is oh um let me just because he's very much like me. He literally said, oh, okay, don't worry. I'll, um, I'm going to get a test myself Aye. for obvious reasons. And then he said, and I'll call you back later tomorrow. I just, I knew exactly what he was going to do. Yeah. He was, he has actually didn't call me the day after because I tested him saying, call me in the next two or three days. And we did exactly the same. I still remember that we spent two or three days not talking because both of us were like doing research yes. and I still remember the call three days after his first call his first reply was like okay this is what we're going to do yeah. Yeah. literally and I, at that point I knew that that person was still loving me he was yeah. just literally more worried about me than yeah. he was about himself yeah. but just for the record the results for, for him came back negative yes okay yeah and I understand that as well because we did that as well like I just went on and did as, so much research as I could also as well that was around about the time probably I said to you guys earlier when we were walking over here um, I didn't really know much about HIV and AIDS until probably this experience with my friend but that information that I learned from the internet gave me hope as well you know and then I was able to provide him with that and just be like listen this is what I found sort of thing but yeah it's just it's it's those thoughts of self-worth and stuff always come into it and it's it's something that again maybe relating to stigma that's where the issue is because with the stigma around it it also questions people's self-worth when they get oh diagnosed. yeah all the, all the you time I mean? you get you get people like really bashing onto you like oh yeah. you shouldn't be in this apps if you've yeah. got these conditions uh, but yeah, obviously absolutely fucking it is not fair. Absolutely. It's not well. It's just it's ridiculous, you know. And from my personal point of view, I consider myself lucky because I've got a thick skin. And yeah. 
but um, not everybody does really pr- exactly I'm really proud of saying who are you to tell Aye. me what do I deserve or not Aye. but I know of other people who will be in the same situation yes. they actually will get in their heads and say maybe this person is right yes. I don't have a right to I'm not worthy to yes. be th- doing this I'm not worthy of people liking me I'm not worthy of people loving me Is this has got nothing to do you are everyone is worthy of, of being worthy. loved Everybody it's got nothing to do with HIV or yes. whatsoever or any other medical condition yes as it, as, as it comes to it it's just you are worthy yes. as long as it's like my, when I told my mom that my status because I had to tell her uh, but that's a different story yeah. all she all she did was looking at me and said are you okay yeah are you healthy yeah are you respecting other people yeah that's all I need to know from you Aye. and she gave me a hug yeah fucking Indian emotional now and I mean the thing is, because we discussed this again when we're walking over, you're maybe going to speak about family, but it depends if you want to speak about that. We can um, move on to something. Yeah, that's else. that's fine. When did you tell your family? So, um, at some point, obviously, like about a year after my diagnosis, I went to visit my family, and who was my best friend at the time um, in Spain. I did disclose my status to a person first. And he did tell me, said, just for the word of safety, you may have, I think you should tell one of your relatives, whoever you think is the most appropriate, but just in case anything happens. And I think he had a point at that time. Actually, you do have a point. If anything happens here, at least that person, if I'm not conscious, can say, by the way, this is something you need to be aware of. Of course. And I decided to tell a member of my family. I'm not going to disclose who. No, of course not. But I decided to tell one of my relatives, who at the time took it okay, was just worried about my my well-being and things like that, and it seems that took it actually quite in good strides. Uh, but moving fast forward to one year after, I was planning two weeks holiday with my family, my part of my family, not all of them, and I literally four hours before my flight, I got a call from this relative saying, I've been doing some research and you are putting people at risk just by spending, just using the same cutlery than them, staying in the same space than them. Uh, so you have to tell them before you go there, you have to tell them your status. If you don't do it, I'll do it. Okay. Um, so basically or, threatened. It, basically, yeah. It, it, it was threatening me to either you disclose your status or without you. Obviously, I did try to reason to, with that person saying, what kind of articles are you reading about that? Because uh-huh. that's not the evidence right now. Show me articles from the 90s, yes. from the USA. Right. I was like, oh, but this, we're on 2020, aye, or 2000, aye. I can't remember, 2018. Yeah, uh, Things have changed massively. If you read these other articles, you will see that person was not taking my okay, advice, my advice, my my reasoning, and nothing said, look, I've given you, I, I've given you the option already. Either you tell them or I do tell them. Yeah. I did one to my best friend as well. Uh, they tried to help, but this my best friend at the time sided with my relative. Oh, yes. So I was on the floor having a total mental breakdown just by the mere fear of my mom uh-huh. and my family finding out my status okay. and rejecting me. Yeah. That I called my partner yeah. who tried to mediate. Things didn't go well. <laughs> he had a massive fight with my best friend okay. and my relative. And I remember out of pure fear and frustration testing my mum okay. and saying, by the way, I'm not taking the flight, I'm not going. Yeah. Immediate answer was like, why? Said, because 
I have to tell you, I'm being forced to tell you something. I don't want to face your... I'm, I'm being a coward, I, a coward, I know. I, will, I don't want to face your reaction. I'm too scared to know your reaction. I'm just gonna tell you, I'm here to be positive, and that's it, let's leave you at that. I'll see you when I see you. Her immediate response is, do not be stupid. I will see you in the airport in four hours. Okay. If you don't take the flight, I'll take the next flight over. Okay. That's okay. that's the answer, so I said, okay. That actually gave me the push that I needed. Yeah. But it was an excruciating flight, uh -huh. to say the least, yeah. because obviously I was so scared. Maybe I was thinking, I'm going to arrive there and she's going to just tell me anything. And the, the son, like, yeah. you're filthy, you're not my son anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Slap me across the head and say, uh, the face and just say, and now you just make, you just make your way, yeah, 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 yeah. do whatever you want for the next yeah. two weeks, you're dead to me. Mm -hmm. And um, actually, what I found was my mom just literally giving me a hug, the, the tightest hug ever that actually made me break in tears and um, she didn't even look at me in the eye at the time she was still giving me the hug said you don't need to say anything yeah let's just go and spend the time together okay so I spent with the, with her and the other family the rest of the family two weeks no one mentioned anything at all yeah and when I was about to give my mom a good a farewell hug like I'll see you later she said when you're ready to talk you can talk okay I'm gonna cry now, yeah, but yeah, I'm, that's well, just just to let you know we're getting emotional here, but it's just it's an emotional subject, so that's why we're a bit quieter. Yeah, but that that's in my personal situation. I know that not everyone is as lucky as no. I've been. That's what happened with my mom. I still remember, but actually, apparently, a few weeks later, or in a in a family meeting, my mom and. A couple more members of my family had a massive go and my best friend and my oh, and my other relatives saying you had no right to do that good i don't know apparently they had a, like a massive argument for two hours because uh, whoever was my best friend at the time obviously he's i don't consider that person my best friend no. anymore but still keep that person in my life because came to me and apologized okay. uh, so did the relative yes but Actually, when I had a, a sit down with that person, the the, the next time, the, the, the time after, um, he said, actually, your mom <laughs> ripped on you, one on yeah, me yeah, and yeah. the other relative. Yeah. Not just your mom, it's like literally your family, They as yeah. soon as they found out, like, they were like, what the hell were you two yeah. thinking? Yeah. And why did you do that to Gons? Yes. And actually, even up to today, after, I don't know if it's been six years or so, they still apologize to me and said, I mean, You've caused serious damage. Let's not. Let's just call it as it is. Yes. Uh, so the point that I want to make is that it's it is not okay to force someone to disclose their status to anyone else. No. 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 Absolutely not. So the most important thing to remember yes. is HIV doesn't define you. No. You define yourself. Um, but also, nevertheless accept people without judgment. You don't know their background, you don't know where they're coming from, you don't even know what happened to them. Yeah. So do not judge them, yeah. just accept them as they are. And in in terms of safety, test yourself regularly. And if you ever have any fear, any concerns, or anything around either HIV or your sexual health, reach out. There was always people willing to listen, me included. If anyone reaches out to me with any fear, any concerns, anything at all i will be more than happy to help them out in any way okay. i can excellent and i think that is the perfect place to end it because you have just basically rounded up everything that or you needed to say thank and you yeah absolutely perfect i couldn't have done it 
Anywhere near as good. Please, please don't feel like you are alone. You know, you're never alone. There'll always be support there. And one thing I want to do is, is thank you, Gons, for coming on. Thank you so much for being the perfect guest. I've been looking forward to this one. I have made such a connection with you in such a short space of time, which I'm mm-hmm. so thankful for. It's been my pleasure and I, the feeling is mutual. Good. We'll end it there. So, like I say, in every podcast, please take care of each other. Please take care of yourself. If you feel like you need a wee bit of support, please speak to somebody. There is somebody always there to talk to. And just be kind. Kindness costs nothing. Just be kind to each other. Be kind to yourself. And I will speak to you in another podcast very soon. Thank you and see you later. Bye. So everyone, that was this week's episode of Your Right Pal by me, Roscoe Burns. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. The intro and outro music is brought to you by Laundry on the Wire by Holinzinka CC0. I've been your host Roscoe Burns and as always, look out for one another, look after yourself and remember, you're never alone. Just want to say thank you so much for listening and remember and never forget, there's always support, alright? Bye.